Welcome to Music and the Church with Sarah Bariza, a monthly podcast about thinking bigger in our faith, our ministries, and our churches. I'm Dr. Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Mark Chaves about the National Congregation Study, which is a wide-ranging survey of a nationally representative sample of religious congregations. And this survey was conducted in four different phases, 1998, 2006 to 2007, 2012, and just recently, 2018 to 2019. And this fourth wave of data from the most recent survey was just released. And that's what we'll be talking about today. A little bit about Dr. Chaves. He holds a joint appointment in the Divinity School, the Sociology Department, and the Religious Studies Department at Duke University. And he is the director of the National Congregation Study, which we're talking about. And he has authored many articles and several books, including most recently, American Religion, Contemporary Trends, which is now in its second edition. And Mark, I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Could you tell us just generally what what is the National Congregation Study? What What's the scope of this thing? Mm-hmm. The National Congregation Study is a survey of a nationally representative sample of religious congregations, um, local places of worship from across the religious spectrum. Uh, so there's uh, not just Christian churches, there's synagogues, there's mosques, there's there's temples. And uh, we talk to one, we call the person a key informant, usually it's a clergy person uh, or other leader. And we ask them a bunch of questions about the congregation uh, on a variety of different subjects, Uh, questions about their their staffing, their programming, what happens in worship services, uh, some of their uh, uh, community activities or social service activities, just a range of range of subjects. We've been doing it since 1998. That was the first one. And uh, as you mentioned, we've done four waves now. We did it in 2006. We did it in 2012. And then we most recently did it, uh, as you said, in 2018-19. Um, so we now have 20 years worth of, of data to uh, examine trends. Um, uh, uh, so, so that's become one of the big um, main values of the the National Congregation Studies. It's really the the uh, primary source for studying change in in religious congregations since since 1998. And you have a, a lot of granular detail in this study, um, like not just. Does a church have guitars, but does it have electric guitars? Not just do you do work in the community, but what exactly, what kind of community work? What do people wear? Um, what do children do? Like really, I, I don't know exactly how many questions are asked, but it's, you know, it's not just 10 questions, it's hundreds of questions. Yes. Um, so it's each time we do it, it's it's designed as an interview that lasts between 45 minutes and an hour. So it's 45 minutes worth of questions each each time. Um, and uh, we probably about half to two thirds each time we repeat the same questions uh, so that we can track change. But then each of the, the waves we have uh, questions unique to that wave because there's some timely issue um, that uh, of that day that we hadn't asked about before. Um, and so when you look at the data set as a whole over all four waves, there's many, 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 many questions. Um, uh, there's a lot in each individual survey, but um, but when you add it all together, there's there's even more. Um, you know, an example. So in 2018, 19. 
um, uh, the uh, kind of the most recent uh, instantiation of a sanctuary movement was uh, in the news and on people's minds. And so we asked churches questions about whether they had considered um, uh, becoming part of a, becoming a sanctuary uh, uh, for undocumented people. Uh, that had, wasn't something we had asked before. Um, so we don't have change over time. Um, uh, on that, but we have, uh, you know, data on that in, uh, in 2018, 19. Um, uh, so that's just an example of something that we, um, uh, asked about for the first time in, in 2018, 19, um, with regard to worship, there's a lot of questions because, uh, um, one of the things we did in 1998 and have done since then is, um, in order to gather information about what's happening in worship in kind of a, a concrete and detailed way, um, rather than just ask people to describe a worship service or something, we we said, think about your most recent main worship service for, for congregations that have more than one. And then we said, okay, with that in mind, was there music? Was there a sermon? Was there uh, the use of drums? Was there, um, if there was a sermon, how long was it? Did the, was there a choir? Did the choir sing? Um, uh, was there an organ? Um, uh, just a whole bunch of people call out amen. So we asked kind of a, a series of yes, no questions with an eye to being able to put that together to make a portrait of, of what, what's happening. So in a way it's a, it's a serve, it's a nationally representative survey of congregations, but kind of embedded in that is a nationally representative survey of, of worship services that um, happened uh, in, in each of the, in each of the time periods. So, um, so that was our strategy for uh, getting um uh, a picture of of what's happening worship services and how that how that changes over time. Yeah, I want to list for our listeners just a few few of the many things that that were asked. That if if our listeners want to um, go to the show notes and find a link, you can just read all this stuff. It's was there incense? Did did people greet each other in the service? Did they hold hands? Did the main speaker, like a preacher, move around? For all the musicians among us, were there paid musicians? How many paid musicians? And this is this information is all not just as like a group of here's this nationally representative, you know, huge thing, but you can break it out by region or by um, denomination or not denomination, but like a general affiliation, like historically black or Roman Catholic. That's just right. Different ways of looking at the data. So you can kind of see like, well, who, who's more likely to have laughter in a service? Um, I I love that you ask about laughter. (laughs) Yeah, that was a a funny one. Um, The, um, I, I, just truth in advertising, I should, we, I should say not all of those are asked every single time we do the survey, but some of them are asked just once. Some of them are asked every time. Some of them are asked two times. um, But yes, if you add up, uh, all of the things that happen in worship service, all the things that we asked, it's it's uh, it's it's an impressive list, I guess. When, mm-hmm. when you when you list it like that, yeah. And it seems like what like because you're asking so many specific questions about worship, you're able to kind of paint a picture about general trends overall, especially around what what you call enthusiastic and informal worship. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you could tell us about that really broad trend over the last 20 years. Yeah, it's um, it's not something we went in wanting to look for. Uh, it's really something that jumped out of the data when we first 
uh, when we did the second wave in 2006, kind of the, you know, kind of obvious thing to do with uh, the second time you do a survey, any survey is to kind of look at all the things you asked both times and see what happened, see what it looks like, what what changed, what what's stable. And there, there's an awful lot of stability in, in congregations. But even in 2006, just comparing 2006 to 1998, one thing that just leapt off the page, I guess, is um, whenever there was a change in worship service practices, it, it was in the direction of more churches, more congregations doing what I've come to call more enthusiastic, more less formal uh, kinds of things, more applause, uh, uh, more saying amen spontaneously, more uh, use of drums or, or, or guitars, uh, more projecting, what we used to call overhead projectors, but more, more use of projection equipment in, uh, in worship service. Now, some of this, of course, maybe a lot of it, is the increased use of, of uh, quote-unquote contemporary worship worship styles um, that are really have really uh, uh, grown in uh, popularity um, since 1998. Um, but it's not just the kind of stereotypical uh, you know mega church or white evangelical churches where you see this. It, it's really pieces of it have been adapted, adopted um, uh, across the board. Now, of course, it's true that Catholic churches use less of this kind of worship style than black churches or white evangelical churches. But even among Catholic churches, we see an increase in use of different pieces. Of, that's one of the, since we ask about specific things, yes or no, we don't have to say, do you use broadly speaking contemporary worship style? Just, you know, with, did you have a service with drums shows up as a, as a data point. And so, um, so it's really across the board, even though there's differences, again, of course, uh, across religious groups and religious traditions, but really across the board, we see this increase. Um, we saw it between 1998 and 2006. And then since then, each time, it's one of the first things I look for when we do a new survey, because, I mean, it's got a plateau, one would think, um, at, at some point. And so even the third time we did the survey in 2012, I said, well, has it increased again or has it, you know, plateaued? No, it increased again. And then this time in 2018-19, it, it increased again. It, by increase, I mean the percentage of, of congregations, percentage of worship services that that um, have more of these kinds of, of practices uh, in them. So, so this is a broad shift in uh, worship style um, that's been going on and does not seem to have run its course, so to, so to speak. It's um, uh, even as of 2018-19, there was still an increase relative to even 2012. One thing that strikes me about this, this change is that some of it like, you know, just to me in my little world seems like, oh yeah, enthusiasm, like, you know, raising your hands or shouting amen, those types of things, saying amen. Um, but a lot of it just seems to me like about friendliness or um, a certain type of community, like um, like greeting each other in the service or holding hands, which I know is often common in Roman Catholic congregations, like during the mm -hmm. Lord's Prayer. But, but this type of um, relating to fellow congregants mm -hmm. and being comfortable to like talk with each other to be around each other or to like move our bodies in sometimes unpredictable ways, like to raise our hands. I, I yeah. don't know if that strikes you. Yeah. I, yes. The, so the raising hands um, 
is definitely increased uh, over this period to the point where now uh, two thirds of of uh, congregations say that people have raised their hands in their in their mo in, in that kind of uh, you know way in the most recent uh, worship service in 1998 it was 45%. So it's you know from less than half to almost two thirds of of congregations are doing that in particular. Uh, yeah, greeting uh, like having a sharing of the of the piece or is another kind of thing i think and uh i don't i don't recall if that's increased that's i don't think we asked about that oh, okay. i i don't include that myself as part of the concept of um enthusiasm but you can see where where you would and, uh, yeah i've struggled with the label how to label this whether to call it because enthusiasm doesn't seem quite right uh informality doesn't seem quite right but I haven't come up with better labels for this broad phenomenon. Contemporary worship is the the label that I think most people would think of it as as a mm -hmm. general, but but it's broader than that. Yeah, uh, uh, evokes I think, and so yeah, and um, contemporary gets into that worship wars. Like, do we have the drums or do we not have right. the drums? And let's get angry yeah. about it. Whereas, yeah. you know, do we greet each other or do we um, do we raise our hands? Do we have a guitar? Right. You know that that I I, I love how this this um. This doesn't just uh, just label oh contemporary or traditional or whatever, but this really gets into the granular. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have children in the service, and and what do they do, and do they how do they participate? Do do you have skits? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's lots of th that's right. There's lots of things we ask about that don't fit into this um, continuum of enthusiasm to ceremonial uh, that are just interesting things that may or may not happen in in worship yeah. services. Could we talk a bit about technology? And I, I suppose it's not at all surprising that there has been an increase in technology, increase in screens, video mm -hmm. clips, smartphones. But I think that the data about smartphones is particularly interesting because uh, smaller churches can still do that. And I, I was amazed at all the things churches use smartphones for. Yeah, so were we <laughs> when we first looked at that. Yeah, we asked, uh, this is the first time we asked, did you... Um, I think the question, the literal question was something like, were people encouraged to use smartphones as part of the worship experience? So not just were people looking at their smartphones, yeah, right. their worship, <laughs> it was it was kind of an intentional use of, of smartphones. And um uh a third said yes, I think, to, to yeah. that, which is uh really um yeah i was surprised that it was that many and uh and then we followed up with okay what do, what are you using them for and uh a lot of it was um reading the scripture you know instead of your bible or pew bible or something uh, people are using their phones um but some of it was also encouraging people to use social media right there to interactively with uh, with the uh, with the serve with whatever's going on um, of course to people use them to um, instead of passing the offering plate, it's take out your your phone to make make your donation. And the, um, so so yeah, it was a lot of different different uses um, right there in 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 the worship service. And and yeah, another thing that was interesting about the smartphones is that a lot of technology, of course, is related to church size and resources because certain kinds of you know to have fancy uh, projection equipment takes resources and expertise and and so on 
but but not true with smartphones because now you know they're so ubiquitous that um, you can count on almost everybody in the in the congregation having a, a smartphone in their in their pocket. And so unlike other kinds of resources, there wasn't a big difference, say, between black churches and white churches in the use of smartphones in uh, in worship services or between big churches and small churches. Um, it was more it was more uh, uh, there wasn't the same digital divide um, that you see with other kinds of technology use in society in general, but in, in religion in particular, um, uh, there wasn't the same digital divide with, with smartphones. So smartphones have, have uh, uh, you know, they're a bit of an equalizer in things like streaming worship services and uh, mm-hmm. yeah we've seen uh, that in the last music. year and we've seen a lot of that in the in the last year of course so um yeah so that was i agree that that was an interesting uh uh feature that emerged from the most recent survey could we talk some about congregational size um like i, I was very surprised at, at a at how you talk about congregational size and it 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 was much smaller than I thought it was. Yeah, the um, average congregation has um, only fewer than a hundred people in it. And, uh, um, go ahead, you're going to say. Is something. that a, is that a member or like in attendance on a Sunday? We ask. We the phrase we use is regularly particip- regular participants. Okay. Um, uh, we because member of course uh, is defined very differently in different religious yeah. groups and oh, different yeah. kinds of congregations. So we don't ask about official membership to to, to avoid that um, difference in difference in meaning. We we try, we have measure size in various kinds of ways, but our our the main one that we talk about is um, uh, how many people would you say regularly participate. Um, in the religious life of the congregation, so it's regular participants is the is the concept, and, and that of course can mean different things in different groups too. But it's yeah. I think a little more uh, uh, comparable across the board than than member member would be. Yeah, the um, uh, most congregations are small, um, but the the thing about uh, size is that the distribution of size across congregations is very skewed, meaning that even though most congregations are small, most people are in large congregations. Uh, and that, that's a really important fact about the social organization of religion in the United States is that the, the big church experience is the more typical experience for people because that's where most of the people are, but the most typical kind of church is a smaller, is a smaller church. And the, um, and that, that shapes a lot of the variations across uh, in, in, in worship in a lot of things, obviously in staff. And um, uh, so it's um, yeah, that's a really important fact about, about American religion. It's, it seems like a, like a ratio that you wouldn't expect. Like for me looking at, it, I would have thought, oh, you know, there's lots of big churches and lots of small churches, but the big churches are so much bigger than the small churches. And there are so many teeny tiny churches. It's like this huge, something like a seven, 7% of the churches and, you know, tens and tens of, of percent of, of the amount of the congregation, just a yeah, huge number yeah. of people. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's uh, something like uh seven or eight percent of the of all the churches have half of all the people yeah um, it's it's uh, amazing to me yeah it's now one way to 
make that a little more intuitive is think of the uh, Catholic churches, uh, you know, a quarter of the population is Catholic and Catholic churches are, are much bigger than Protestant churches mm-hmm. and yeah. on average. And so that's a lot of the big churches that are that are out there. Um, uh, you know, another way just to think of it by that comparison, Catholic churches have about a quarter, about a quarter of the American population is Catholic, only about 6% of churches are Catholic. Um, because they're so much bigger. And, uh, oh, um, wow. And so that yeah. that itself is a comparison that illustrates the size, um, the, the, the size effect. But, but this concentration is true even just among Protestants. Um, uh, and it's been increasing over time, by the way. This is another really important oh, really? Uh, fact. Yeah, there, the, there's more and more over the course of the 20th century, but it really started to pick up uh, in... Um, the 1970s, um, more and more people have become concentrated in the very biggest churches. The uh, so you know part of that, of course, is just the stereotypical megachurch phenomenon. But it, that's not all of it. Even in in every denomination that we've looked at, and this is based on research not from the National Congregation Study, but other research I've done. Um, every denomination you look at, so even within the Episcopal Church, which is not known for its megachurches, but the the more and more people Episcopalians are concentrated in the biggest Episcopal mm-hmm. churches. Yeah, so yeah. so it does, the liberal churches, conservative churches, um, uh, uh, declining ones, uh, uh, growing ones over this period of denominations. Wherever you look, there's been an increase. In, there's been a shift of the church-going population into bigger bigger congregations. So, so that concentration has increased since the, it started in the middle of the 1970s. And it's an, it's also doesn't seem to have plateaued yet. It interests me, like, because uh, like in a, the Roman Catholic church, your bishop can close the different con- congregations that are small, but yeah. say like, I work in a, a United Church of Christ congregation. Church can keep going as long as church has the money, right? right. So you can have all these t- tiny churches without um, a bishop saying you, you have to close it. And yet the, the phenomenon still persists. Yes. Even, even if you still can have the small churches as you would in uh, some Protestant yeah. circles. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What, what's happening is people are leaving the smaller churches to go to mm-hmm. the bigger church. And by yeah. the way, I don't, I don't know. It, it, Catholic churches are different. Mormons are also different, by the way, because for the same reason you pointed out, because when you have an administrative control over mm-hmm. the uh, which churches open and close, because the Mormons, if if a ward gets too big, they split it. And mm-hmm. so it's, mm-hmm. um, but Protestant, uh, Protestant denominations are, of course, even ones where that have bishops and so on, are, are much more, are much less controlled uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in terms of the size of the churches and which ones close and don't. It's more of a market than mm-hmm. um, administrative uh, uh, management, management of it. So it's, um, so it's really, if I, it's, hard to assess whether this concentration is happening among Catholic churches. Uh, it probably is because of what you mentioned of, of the phenomenon of, of closing smaller mm-hmm. Catholic churches. Yeah. But, um, but, but I, it, it, I haven't looked at the data for Catholics, but it's across the board for Protestants. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't talked about the effect of COVID on any of this, of yeah. course, but you know, I don't, I, I don't have any, you, yeah, you don't have the data I don't have any data it. on it. Yeah. Just, um, that's going to be interesting. Oh, my. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think to me, the real interest, I mean, I, we all know what's happening now and everybody's yeah, streaming yeah. and, and mm. so on. To me, the real interesting or among the interesting questions is going to be 
once we don't have to be doing yeah. this, what's how much of it look like in three years? What's it going to look like in three yeah. years exactly? Yeah. And I am hoping that we'll be able to address that with with yeah. future research. Oh yeah, that's going to be. I mean, I'm interested on the personal level. Like, what is my job going to look like in three years? But yeah, <laughs> fascinating. So. Thank you, Dr. Mark Chaves, for this conversation. You can find the show notes and other resources uh, for musicians and church staff at musicandthechurch.com. You'll be able to get uh, a link to the data that we're looking at. 23 minutes on average for music and services. And if you'd like to get in touch, send me an email at musicandthechurch at gmail.com. I'll be back next month with another episode of Music and the Church with Sarah Bariza.